and welcome back to another edition of the On the Board Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Thomas, a.k.a. Sean Young, the mic. Happy party Thursday to all. As always, joined by my main man, my co-host, William Trucci, a.k.a. Voce. Well, long time, pal. How are you? Doing good. Can't complain. Thursday, one more day of the weekend, three-day weekend. Happy uh, Labor Day to everybody that's out there, all the construction workers and stuff that are listening to this. We haven't done an episode in such a long time. Uh, it's glad to... I'm glad to hear your voice again, Sean, because honestly, we've been needing, not wanting, needing. Big difference between the both, both those words right there. We've been needing to do an episode for such a long time, and today is the perfect day to do it. It really, 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 really is. We'll, we'll be, before we get into the show, I'm doing well. How are you doing? Now? I'm doing okay. You know, been back at work now for the past couple months, and I got to tell you, Sean, it's been absolutely crazy with everything that's going on. Uh, I've been working like crazy trying to trying to recoup what's going on in the world. But the main thing is I'm back at work. I know that you're out and I know the other people out there that are listening in are probably uh, out of work too. And I hope that everybody gets, uh, gets something back in return coming soon, you know? So it, it's not about what happened three quarters ago with all this that happened so far this year, 2020. It's about the rest of the year and what you're going to do in order to make it up and make it happen. So I hope you're doing good, bud. I am, boy. I appreciate the kind words and you're certainly right, right, bro. It's not about the third quarter. If you're trailing, there's always a quarter to take the lead and to one at the end. So, well, man, listen, let's, let's not waste any time. Let's get right into the show. My Brooklyn Nets made a big move today. As we know, they needed to hire a coach. Fired Kenny Atkinson back in March. Jacques Vaughn was the interim coach. He did a pretty, a pretty, uh, a pretty good job, if you ask me. Obviously, they got swept by Toronto. We all knew that was going to take place. Well, so they hired a coach today, and well, when we did this show of the Nets hiring a coach, I was fully expecting Ty Lue, Mark Jackson, Mike Brown, a trade for Greg Popovich, whatever the case is. Will the higher Hall of Famer, Hall of Fame point guard, Steve Nash, 43 years old. Will, when I woke up this morning and I saw the news, I said, Steve Nash. But the more time has gone by during the day, the more I like the move. Before I get into why I like the move, what's your thoughts, Bill? I personally, I like the move just as much as you do personally. When I first saw it, again, like yourself, a little bit of a head scratcher, of course. But the Nets. Joe Tsai, he knows what he wants to do. Sean Marks, he's been keeping this under wraps now since, what, May? And he's been really silent about it. Uh, but make no mistake about it. This guy knows how to go out there and coach. Remember, forget about what happened with him as a basketball player with the stats and all the individual accomplishments. And people want to bring up the fact that he didn't win a championship. The guy is one of the more cerebral minds in all of basketball number one number two when he was with Mike D'Antoni and even with Don Nelson I'm sure Don Nelson would probably agree with this one if he's listening in um he he's an extension of the head coach and when he's going out there and he's making plays he makes his teammates so much better and with Steve Nash going in there and trying to you know try and offer his knowledge to the players at hand and the systems in which he's run I think it's a huge plus not only that but he was a developmental coach as the Golden State Warriors uh, 
you know, winning a championship with them and such. And it's a huge move for the Nets to get a guy that was a developmental coach, was a extension for D'Antoni and for Nelson out there and, and for Alvin Gentry, too, who could ever forget about that. But also, and Sean, I, I want to hear your thoughts on, on this move because, you know, I know that this is a really big deal. He has a great relationship with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. I want to hear your thoughts on this, man. Well, the reason why I like the move is for two uh, reasons. The first reason I like the move is because he's considered one of the smartest basketball minds that's ever played this game. Like, his basketball IQ is second to none. He's well-liked around the league. And, well, I think this proves that Ky- that KD runs the ship. I mean, I, mean I-, I think we knew that, you know, Sean Marks has to answer to KD. It's not KD answering to Sean Marks. So, I think when the opportunity came about and Steve Nash said today he, he put his name into the hat, I think Kevin Durant said yes, 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 yes. Also, the Nets were never, in my opinion, well, the Nets were never going to hire a coach that wanted to, you know, have things run his way. The Nets were going to hire a puppet, and that's for lack of a better term, but the Nets were never going to hire someone that, you know, was going to be strong-willed or wanted to do things their way because, you know, KD and Kyrie are going to run that ship. So, but here's why I like it. Well, like you said, under Mike D'Antoni, he's going to run, I assume, a similar an offense and similar uh, plays and stuff like that. So I like that move. But what, I, but what I also like the move is that look at the teammates that Steve Nash has played with, from Amari Stoudemire to Sean Marion to Kobe to everybody in, in between to Dirk. He's played with superstars. He's been the captain of the team with superstars, which means he's no, he knows how to deal with superstars. Now, he only dealt with them on a playing uh, field well, but now he gets a chance to coach on. I think the relationships he's built and the fact that he has two superstars with Karis LeVert pending as a third one well, that's why I, I like the move. Right, well, and that's why I like the move, well, because, well, you're starting to see People getting these coaching jobs, not only in the NBA world, but in the NFL and baseball and hockey, you're starting to see these teams hire people that they are, one, comfortable with, and number two, they they, ha- they, they have a relationship with. Steve Nash right. and Sean Marks were teammates on the Phoenix Suns, and they played against each other overseas. That goes a long way. And well, right. I, I knew Ty Lue wasn't going to get this job. I, I, I read a report. Ty Lue wanted $7 million a year to coach any team. I knew there was no way in hell Joe Sy and Sean Marks were paying any coach $7 million bucks. So he took his name out that Brooklyn had with that. So, well, my only concern is the obvious. He hasn't coached a second, a second in his life. He hasn't been on the bench. I think that's why they kept Jock Vaughn to be the top assistant, and now he's going to be the highest paid one. So that's an interesting take there. And then on top of that, when shit hits the fan, because shit is going to hit the fan at some point, Kyrie, it will. KD, it will. how does he handle that? Because, well, I think he'll handle New York. He's he He's lived here, like, on and off, and his persona fits New York. 
But when shit hits the fan, how he reacts to it. Will, I think if he could overcome the inexperience, and I think if he could handle things when they hit the fan, what I think this is a, this is a slam dunk move. You know, you just stole the words right out of my mouth. Steve Nash, like you said, time in and time out. I think he has a place in Manhattan, if I'm not mistaken. So he, he sees it. He knows what's going on here in the in the New York area. And for the Nets to go out there and make this move, it's a home run for them. But also, to like you said, Sean, to be your credit, he hasn't had any coaching experience and he hasn't really lost in his career outside of the Lakers and at, the, at his end tenure uh, with the Suns to a certain extent. Uh, my other thing too here is, and Sean, I know that I mentioned this on my show and I'd like to bring this up if you don't mind because I know with everything in the world, what the hell is Stephen A. Smith and some of these guys that are writing in the media thinking about right now with this sort of stuff? This is about going out and hiring the best candidate available for your job, right? You want to go out there, you want to talk about Mark Jackson, if you're Stephen A. Mark Jackson's getting paid millions of dollars by the Disney company, by ESPN and ABC, to go out and broadcast games. You think he's going to want to come back into a pressure cooker like this? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. You look at Ty Lue, you mentioned Ty Lue wanted $7 million, you know, to, to coach. And he won a championship, but realistically, LeBron won that championship. If you really think about it, he left, that's it, you know? And then there, there are other coaches that also come to mind. But in the New York Times, I was reading this article when Steve Nash got hired, when he broke, there were 13 black head coaches in 2013, and now there's only five. And, you know, you want, and people are, these, you know, they're, they're stirring the pot. These people that are writing the stories and going out there and talking in the media, I know you're probably going to want to get a take in on this, but win games. That's it. Win games. I get everything that's gone on and with everything that's been said in the media, but at the end of the day, two things. Number one, win games. I understand context. you got to go out there, everything like that. But number two, with, with that said, we are in – Honestly, as a country, we are in crisis right now as far as what's going on, what's going to happen in November, everything like that. Everybody tells you to vote. The main thing here is, you know, why stir the pot even more in, in sports when many people are trying to look away from this? I know we had on Jay Harris. I know we had on many, many sports media people that have worked in that field. We haven't worked in that field. I don't know what it's like, but as a fan and seeing things going on in the country right now, Stop stirring the pot if you're these people that are working at these companies. And they won't tell you that because they're trying to keep their job. But stop stirring the pot. This is only going to get worse if you keep on bringing up race relations and stuff and skin color and stuff. It's wrong. So just stop that. Sean, what's your take on that? Well, I agree with you. I, I see where Stephen A. Smith is coming from, but this was the wrong time to do it. What Stephen A. Smith was really, really, really trying to say was that these opportunities are not given to black coaches. And, well, he's right. A lot of times these already made teams, not only in basketball, in football, in hockey, and baseball especially, that you see the white coach get these jobs that are these exclusive, coveted jobs. The reason why Stephen A. Smith cannot, Will, play the race card, and I agree with you, the Nets hired Jason Kidd, who's black. Right. Knicks hired 
Derek Fisher, Lenny Wilkins, Mike Woodson, who are all black. And their last coach was who? David Fisdale, who was black. So, and Stephen A. Smith is a Knicks fan. So he should know that you can't play the race card when the team you root for in the last 15, 20 years has had four, five, maybe six head coaches. Isaiah Thomas, black. Right, so in the last 15, 20 years, the team that you root for has hired a black coach. And Will, before Jacques Vaughn, black interim coach, and before Kenny Atkinson, who was the head coach of the Brooklyn Nets, Will? Lionel Hollins, a black man. So this is why Stephen A. Smith can... I see what he's saying, because he's right. Black men, black coaches don't get this opportunity. But this was the wrong day to say it, because one, it wasn't a call for. It's, it's almost like or the stain over this nice white shirt that Steve Nash wore. It's like the head coaching shirt is white, and here comes Stephen A. Smith pouring like a grease stain. This was not the, the time for it. The time I have this convo is, you know, another time, but this was not the time for it. So I agree with you. And well, Stephen A. Smith is a very controversial guy. I, I agree with most things that he says. I was very upset that he even brought race card into it because well with Stephen A. Smith will specifically him it's not race Stephen A. Smith is very good friends with Mark Jackson both of them born and raised in uh, New York he's very good friends with Ty Lue he's very good friends with David uh, uh, um, Fisdale I think Stephen A. Smith it's more personal for him that his friends are not getting this job opposed to Steve Kerr, who, look, he won the championship in his first year. Is Mark Jackson responsible for that? Yes, he is. Steph Curry, well, if people knew Steph Curry was going to be Steph Curry, he would not have been the seventh pick. Clay Thompson would have not gotten the pick number 12 or whatever he had, so on and so forth. Well, the last right. point that I'm going to make is you bring up a very interesting name. Alvin Gentry was just fired by the Pelicans. I don't know if he would take a assistant role and Jacques Vaughn is already the lead assistant, but if Alvin Gentry doesn't mind taking a bench role or as an assistant coach, I think that'd be a fabulous hire. Cause well, he's gonna need as much head coaching experience, guys Absolutely. on his staff, because this is his this is his first time. But well, I like the move. And now that the coach is in in place. I want to see what Sean Marks wants to do now in terms of trades. And we'll, I'm with you. Karis LeVert cannot go anywhere. Karis LeVert no. has to stay. Spencer Dinwiddie has to stay. To me, Will, if, if you're Kyrie and you're KD, if you can't come out the East with the team presently constituted, just adding Kyrie and adding yourself, you don't deserve to play for uh, a championship. Here's the here's the key to all this, and I know that hero, and I'm gonna leave it like this. Hero ball is really get to see a lot of isolation stuff. Whoever whoever's gonna be on this team next year, Steve Nash has to get players that are gonna be pass first orientated, and guys that are gonna have to shoot the free ball. There there is no. It's gonna be Mike D'Antoni style offense on steroids. That's what it's gonna come down to. And if they go out there, if these two guys go out there and dictate that they're going to go out there and play this ISO style of ball almost nearly half the time or three-quarters of the time, whatever it is, 
which I don't think will happen, you got to involve your teammates. And that's what Steve Nash is going to try and accomplish here at this point in time. And I look, like I said, you know, and you said it too, these guys trust Steve Nash, it seems like, and they have a great rapport with him. And, you know, this, it, it's got to happen. It's, they got to play a team style game instead of having to go out there and try and win the games by themselves. So it, this is going to be a full team effort. I feel with the Nets are going to go out there and win for sure. That definitely is the case. That definitely is the case. Well, let's quickly get to our second topic at hand, our favorite hockey team, the New York Islanders. Well, obviously, round one, they beat the Caps in five. So far, the series against the Flyers, they're up 3-2. I was very proud of the effort in game five. They were down 3-1. It looked bleak. They scored two goals, took it into overtime, and then you know, and then, you know, the Flyers won the game in overtime. The penalty should have been called because Hart, because Hart had grabbed the puck. Still, what, whatever the case is, well, quickly, bro, tell me what should, what are your thoughts on the team so far in the playoffs and what's your expectations for game number six? Well, realistically, right now, they played three rounds. I mean, they played the Florida Correct. round, the qualifier, if you want to yeah. call it, if you want right. to call it that. No, no, and you're they right. Play and they play the Caps in the first round or the second round, whatever you want to call it. They still play three rounds. And it's absolutely unbelievable how well this team is playing. It's absolutely unbelievable that they're playing with all this, with this firepower and stuff. And not only that, a lot of players have come out and said that this is a brotherhood. It's really unbelievable as we're, as I'm watching the game and stuff and looking at everything right now with, the, with everything that's been going on with this Islander team. In game two, they were down 3 nothing. They found a way to come back and tie it. And even though they lost in overtime in game two, albeit on a deflection off the Andrews Lee stick, they still managed to find a way to come back, tie the game, right? It basically set up games three and four. The Islanders found a way to win games three and four. And look, game five, they were down 3-1. They were up one nothing, down 3-1. And they wound up finding a way to come back. And also, what people are probably going to forget about this game was the fact that Matthew Barzell was out from the end of the third period and into the overtime. So you had guys playing a double shift. You had J.G. Pajot going out there playing a double shift at first for the first center line. The BMB line has been absolutely killing it this postseason. Um, and Bailey, Beauvillier, Nelson, uh, Andy Green had himself a phenomenal series thus far defensively. Uh, you know, there's a lot going on, of course. But ultimately, at the end of the day, too, goaltending has been absolutely huge. Semyon Varlamov has played great. The one night that, not great, but he's played good the past couple of games. Thomas Grice in game four, unbelievable game by him. He was on his head. Pucks were going all around him. How the Islanders came out of that with a win, I'll never know. But the main thing here with game six coming up is the Flyers are going to want to come out because they are desperate and they are hungry. But also, too, the Islanders have their backs on the wall here because they don't want to have a game seven. My three keys to game six for the Islanders is, number one, don't let these guys go out there and take advantage of the energy that they have right now. Yeah, they're confident they won game five, but you can't let the, high, the low to high passes happen. And you can't let the point the point shots happen. If you do that, you lose. 
as obvious as we've seen in games two and five. Number two, number two, you got everything that's going on. The penalty kill's been great. Stay out of the penalty box. I think they'll be fine. And then my third thing for today is, is this. Oscar Lindblom, the, can- the cancer survivor for the Philadelphia Flyers. A great, great story for him to be back on the ice right now, especially with what happened during COVID. Is back out on the ice right now. They are going to have a lot of energy in the Flyers to go out and play hard for this kid. And they're going to want to go out there and win and force a game seven. And with everything that's going on and with everything that's been said, look for the Flyers to go out and just try and forecheck the hell out of them. Expect a lot of pinches on the Flyers, uh, on the Flyers' expense. So we'll see what happens tonight. But those are my three keys of the game, Sean. Well, I'll make a quick blow. My thoughts are. The Panthers, listen, it took them four games, but they got rid of them. The Capitals will, I think everybody's like, oh, Ovechkin and whatever, blah, blah, blah. Well, not not only did they kick them out in five games, they got their coach, the Axe. Uh, the Capitals um, the Capitals fired their coach. And so we'll, it might take at least six games where, listen, the Islanders took care of what they had to do. They went up two zip, and then Flyers won game three. They won game four. They won game five, blah, blah. But – well, my three keys to this game are this. The Islanders have to get up to a fast start. Because if you give a desperate team confidence, it's only going to grow and grow and grow. The Islanders cannot afford right. to go down one zip, two zip, three zip, as they have in other games so far in, in the post of the season. Well, my second key, Will, is Var Lomov or Stony Snyder or is it Grice? I think it's Varley tonight. It should be Varley. It should be Varley, right. Well, Varley is going to have to stand on his head because, again, the desk, well, you know the Flyers are throwing everything at the net. They're going to do screens. They're going to do uh, deflections. They're, they're, they're going to slap the puck off the boards. They have – Varley's going to have to stand on his head and keep his head on a swivel all the time. Bro. But, Will, number three, the Islanders cannot depend – on Barzell to win the game. I was listening to Butch uh, going well before we did the show, and he was telling Don LaGreca on ESPN Row. He said the Islanders do not depend on anybody, but he feel like a part of the team was kind of looking around in game five, waiting to see if Barzell is going to come back on the ice. If he's on the ice, that's great. If he's not, that's also great because we have other guys that can score goals. Anders Lee, Nelson, Eberly, Bailey, and well, this acquisition is looking like money all the time. You know exactly who I'm about to say. J.G. Pajot. That acquisition is looking like money every time. Not only on the offensive end, but the defensive side of the ice. So, well, we shall see what happens there. Go uh, um, and Islanders. And hopefully in about three hours, Will, we are some happy fans, Well. Two things. Number one, you forgot to mention Anthony Beauvillier scoring goals. <laughs> your boy. The guy's that's your new boy. <laughs> I love that, man. I love that kid. You know, that's number one. Number two, with everything that's going on uh, with the uh, telecast here, and everybody wants to hear Brendan and Butch calling the game, I'm sure if the Islanders keep on going on, I'm sure MSG will have some sort of rights thing going on 
where you get to listen to Brendan and Butch. But how about John Forsland? Let's give John Forsland a lot of credit here for calling the games up in the bubble. Yes, the Flyers, their their TV company owns their TV rights. So, of course, they're going to have Brian Boucher on, former Philadelphia Flyer. Of course, they're going to have Keith Jones on, former Philadelphia Flyer. So, right. you're going to hear a lot of pro Flyers talk. Pro Flyers talk, which, which, it, you know, it kind of grinds my gears a little bit because you could have A.J. Malesko on there. Maybe you could have Jen Bottrell on there since they are, you know, NBC sports property in a, in a degree. But I don't mind the job. I don't mind John Forsland calling the games. Not, not because of the fact that he came on our podcast, Sean. Not because of that. I don't mind John. I don't mind John because John's going to bring it every night and he's going to keep it neutral, as we heard from when he came on our show. So, um, honestly, I have no problems with John. It's just the producers going out there. I can't critique what's going on with the Flyers guys because they're there doing their job. But for the producers out there that are trying to do their thing, come on, at least try and get one Islander person on there or something. Right, like, 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 there should be a more diverse group of people calling in games because it's, because it's obvious to, well, like, even when, and then, like, it's, and then it's clear when, when they're losing in the game, oh, the Islanders are doing this and that. The moment the Flyers are winning, oh, the Flyers are doing this and that. It's really a bad look, and I know it must drive John Forsen crazy because he's trying to be as even-keeled and as fair as possible. Because right. the team that he calls games for, the Canes, they're they're out. So I know he's right. he's trying to be even killed, but I'm sure it's not hard. Like you said, having Boucher and Keith Jones right next to him calling these games, it's like well, they're, oh they're God, just, Boucher's in the in the glass down in the glass, below. right, 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 right. Sorry, right. Sorry, and sorry. Boucher and Keith Jones, which I hope he's getting double double salary for being not only in the studio doing the intermission report, but doing the games. Right, you know, right. I I'm really hoping that he's getting double pay and NBC double pay, not right. cutting him away. You know, exactly. in this world that we're living in now, but I that's just me. That is what I was. Well, well, let's keep our fingers crossed, pal. They've won three games so far, and hopefully, yep. 60 minutes away from a date with the Tampa Bay Lightning. But we have to get there first. Well, well, we spoke in Nets, we spoke in the Islanders. Any final thoughts, pal? No, no final thoughts here. You know, I know baseball is going on, but we'll save baseball for uh, another episode. We'll talk about what's going on uh, with the Yankees, with the Mets, what's going on in, in the MLB in general. Their season's about to wind down. can't believe we're saying that. It's about 40 games into it. Uh, and football season's right around the corner, but we'll also have a football preview coming up as well. well Those are my final thoughts. Well, just one final thought for me. As a Mets fan, i got to say this. Rest in peace, Tom Seaver. Rest yeah. in peace to the franchise, world number 41. And, well, man, I mean, when he retired from public life, like, what, last year? Or, like, I believe it was, like, yeah. uh, um, like two years ago, we, we I think we knew this day was going to come. And Alzheimer's right. is a terrible thing to have. Like, it's really, really bad. So, dementia well, too, yeah. Right, dementia. So, hopefully he's at peace now. And, you know, well, the Mets are playing the Yankees right now. But, look. It sucks that we can't have this friendly war because the Islanders are obviously on. So I think we could care less about this right. whole subway or series going on out there. Well, that's my final thought. Rest in peace to Tom Seaver and all the elder Mets fans who watched him pitch or became a fan because he was 
back then the number one guy. My thoughts about them. So, well, if you don't have any final thoughts for your host Sean Thomas, aka Shoney on the mic, and for my co-host William Trucci, aka we'll see. I'm your host Sean Thomas, aka Shoney on the mic for On the Board Sports. Will signing out. Be well. Be safe. Peace. Housing in the game. All the Islanders are doing this and that. The moment the Flyers are winning, all the Flyers are doing this and that. It's really a bad look, and I know it must drive John Forsland crazy because he's trying to be as even keeled and as fair as possible. Because right. the team that he calls games for, the Canes, they're they're out. So I know he's right. he's trying to be even keeled, but I'm sure it's not hard. Like you said, having Boucher and Keith Jones right next to him calling these games, it's like well, they're, oh they're God, just, Boucher's in the in the glass down in the glass, below. right, 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 right. Sorry, right, sorry, and sorry. Boucher and Keith Jones, which I hope he's getting double double salary for being not only in the studio doing the intermission report, but doing the games. Right. You know, right. I, I'm really hoping that he's getting double pay and NBC's double pay, not right. cutting him away, you know, exactly. in this world that we're living in now. But I, that's just me. That is what I will. Well, let's keep our fingers crossed, pal. They've won three games so far. And hopefully yep. 60 minutes away from a date with the Tampa Bay Lightning. But we have to get there first, Well. Well, we spoke in Nets, we spoke in the Islanders. Any final thoughts, Bob? No, no final thoughts here. You know, I know baseball is going on, but we'll save baseball for uh, another episode. We'll talk about what's going on uh, with the Yankees, with the Mets, what's going on in, in the MLB in general. Their season's about to wind down. I can't believe we're saying that. About 40 games into it. Uh, and football season's right around the corner, but we'll also have a football preview coming up as well. well Those are my final thoughts. Well, just one final thought for me as a Mets fan, I got to say this. Rest in peace, Tom Seaver. Rest yeah. in peace to the franchise, world number 41. And, well, man, I mean, when he retired from public life, like, what, last year? Or, like, I believe it was, like, yeah. uh, um, like two years ago, we, we I think we knew this day was going to come. And Alzheimer's right. is a terrible thing to have. Like, it's really, really bad. So we'll, too, yeah. Right, dementia. So hopefully he's at peace now. And, you know, well, the Mets are playing the Yankees right now. But, look, it sucks that we can't have this friendly war because the Islanders are obviously on. So I think we could care less about this right. whole subway or series going on. But, well, that's my final thought. Rest in peace to Tom Seaver and all the elder Mets fans who watched him pinch or became a fan because he was back then the number one guy my thoughts about them so well if you don't have any final thoughts for your host sean thomas aka shoney on the mic and for my co-host william trucci aka we'll see i'm your host sean thomas aka shoney on the mic for on the board sports will signing out be well be safe peace out